Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Frank Crane said, We're never so vulnerable than when we trust someone. But paradoxically, if we cannot trust, neither can we find love or joy. This is episode 66 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Bobby Malatesta. At 10 years old, her mother would break the news that her father was leaving. And this would be the beginning of her putting up walls. Then at 14 years old, she would begin to lose a few people that were close to her. This would cause trust issues and a need to be independent which would lead to her going down a path that she wasn't prepared for. She has struggled with addiction for most of her life, from drugs to gambling. What she didn't realize is that her past was driving her addictions, because she didn't want to face what happened or let anyone in. Then in the last few years, she's completed rehab and is getting her life together. Now, as the founder of 321 No Kidding, she's continuing to help herself battle her gambling addiction, as well as help others using her story and experience. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Bobby Malatesta. Hey, Bobby, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Um, you were one of the many people who signed up through podcastguest.com, and so far, so good. So, I'm, I'm just, like I said, I'm glad that you decided to sign up and come on. Well, thank you, Brian. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So, the first question I ask every guest to get started is, what is your definition of vulnerability? Well... To me, on my journey, it has been about taking the walls down and and showing my true authentic self, like from the heart, not just the logic and the brain part. No, that makes sense to me. Again, the one thing that I like when when sort of people have definitions like that is is how much it has to do with sort of looking within yourself and, and really sort of digging deep. Because I think, unfortunately, right now with sort of the trendiness and with social media and everything, everybody just thinks vulnerabilities like pouring your heart out to the world and, and you know, putting out some, you know, sob story or something like that. But it's it's really more, in my opinion, at least, and, and I think you share the same opinion of doing that work on yourself first. And then wherever you go from there is, is fine. But if you don't do the work on yourself first, then you're really probably not showing, like you were saying, you're not showing your real heart. You're just sort of showing a, a facade. Exactly. Yeah, I definitely had to go backwards to go forwards. <laughs> if, if that makes sense. I no. had to do a lot of digging deep. I didn't even know I wasn't, I used to not be able to say the word. I used to call it the V word. It, <laughs> it was that sensitive of a topic for me. Well, then this one should be interesting. So, you know, speaking of going back to go forward, um, the next question that I usually ask people is if you can look back in your life and, and go back as far as you're comfortable going. Some people we've talked, you know, when they were like five years old and some people it was like high school. But when would you say would be your first time that you faced some sort of vulnerability or struggle in your own life? Struggles. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think I can go way back on the struggles that started building the walls. It's definitely not when I started showing vulnerability. And I think, I think the baseline for that would be 
I keep going back to this conversation. It keeps showing up for me recently is when I was 10 years old and when my mother told us that our biological father was leaving, that I think that was like a foundation of my walls starting to go up and, and who I became through time. And so was it, was it uh, from the sounds of it, it was, was sort of unexpected. Like it just seems like you didn't see it coming, I guess, or. Well, it wasn't really that, I guess in retrospect, looking at my journey because of who I became, I became very independent and very almost anti-guy on a, or anti-relationship on some level where I wasn't letting people completely in. And it's reflecting back that I learned it's, that was where I started. Mom was hurt. Mom wasn't independent. You know, the world changed because Mm -hmm. he wasn't in our lives anymore. So that's when I started building my walls. Like, nope, you can't come in. I'm going to be self-sufficient. But I didn't realize that until the last year. So basically, it's, it sounds like your trust was sort of damaged in, in a sense. Your trust towards men and, and relationships just seemed to sort of start to diminish at that point in your life. Exactly. Exactly. So, so looking back, I mean, you know, you said you started to build walls. But what what helped you sort of um, get through this time in your life? Like, I, I, you know, as a child, I can understand how it might have been hard to to try and figure out what's going on, why this is happening. But what was there anything that you can remember that that helped you sort of get through it at that young age? Well, if it's okay, I want to share a little bit more. Sure. Now that it's, it's all formulating my brain a great way to explain this. So that was at 10. And then through from 14, geez, on, I experienced a lot of loss. My uncle committed suicide. Um, a good friend OD'd. My boyfriend died, like literally all kinds of loss. So again, it was more of the the bricks, like, okay, well, I can't let you in because you're going to die or leave anyway. Like that became part of my mentality. And my coping strategy became gambling addiction. And that's kind of, you know, part of my story. So it wasn't until I went to rehab in 2017, March of 2017, I went into rehab on my own. And I also met a guy while I was there, which was totally not the plan. (laughs) Um, But we get out and I don't know if it was because I was just like ready to start doing the work and start healing. And this, this man had a great influence on my life. And he was the first person I ever really did the whole vulnerable thing with that. I finally let someone in. So that was really my pivot point. And I'm not involved with them anymore. And it was like the biggest hurt, as well, because now I did let somebody in, Mm. but luckily, you know, through just my normal recovery work, my counseling, all that stuff, I got to the point where I knew just because he hurt me doesn't mean I have to close back up again. So that's like the big shift in my life this last year. So, so, I mean, so basically, I guess from what you're saying, from what I'm understanding, it it really, uh, you know, that younger 10 to sort of your teenage years, there really wasn't anything sort of helping you get through it. It was just, you, you sort of went to a different coping mechanism. You weren't able to sort of overcome it at that young age. Correct. I didn't even know how broken I was. You know, I didn't know I needed any of those things. Um, I started really early on with, you know, drinking and drugging and all that stuff in high school. Um, 
snowballed in and out of it through the years, but didn't even realize I was hiding all of that or covering it all up. I think that's something, I mean, I can say from my own personal experience after experiencing some losses in the last few years that that I sort of followed a similar path in terms of just trying to suppress things with other things. <laughs> so to suppress feelings with other sort of, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, whether it's, you know, I was trying to start a business to keep myself distracted, whether it may have been, you know, uh, ending, uh, you know, uh, using some some substances <laughs> as well um you know so I, I can definitely relate in terms of you know how we can sort of suppress feelings and use something else to sort of mask them because i think it's just easier for us i, I think a lot of us again in my opinion but i think a lot of us when we start to get those uncomfortable feelings or or that stuff that just doesn't feel good we want to sort of find a way to get rid of it as quickly as possible <laughs> so true and i can relate to the work part too and i think I think like my workaholic self probably saved my life because I always had this sense of responsibility. So the work was, you're right, it was another way to put, put my energy and, and to deal with life. You're, you're 100% right, I can relate to that. So if you, if you were to again look back at sort of those teenage years and, 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 and everything that you were going through, was there any sort of strength that you were able to find in yourself at the time? Like was there, was there anything that it, was there any positivity that it provided? I mean, we've talked about obviously sort of the, the bad parts and the things, the, the roads that it led you down, but was there any sort of thing that if you were to reflect on it now, like looking back on it now, is there any part of it that sort of helped you um, in any way? I think my independence was a big positive attribute. I mean, I'm very comfortable in my early 20s, I went and became a cross-country truck driver, you know, like <laughs> I, I wouldn't have, um, you know, becoming kind of a nomad and being okay and independent at 22 years old, roaming around state to state. I, I liked that. That was a gift that came out of that as opposed to, and it's, this is not a ding on um, the women who chose to get married or have families or make babies. But when I was out there on the road, so many people said to me, I wish I did that, but I got married, but I had kids. So I think that I was very fortunate to experience life in that way. No. And, and again, that's, uh, it's interesting that you're able to, and I guess, you know, looking back now, it's easier to do, but it's interesting that, that, that independence and that, that ability to sort of just sort of be on the road, you saw that as something to sort of help you um, at the, at that time. Because again, I think again, a lot of us, unfortunately, we just sort of, you know, may just decide to whatever it might be stay at home or or you know uh, lock ourselves in a room or something like that but you decided to get out there was was there anything about that because again just coming to mind right now was there anything about that like getting out there and, and seeing different parts of the country maybe meeting new people was there any part of that 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 sort of helped you with you know dealing with what was going on well i definitely made friends and i'm a pretty social person and as you're asking that question, you ask very good questions, by the way. <laughs> as, as you ask that question, what comes to mind about driving and even how I still live my life, you know, I, I've bounced places and I make connections. They're different today. But all along, if you, I don't want to say like they're part-time friendships, but they don't go as deep, right? Like you have a lot more people, so it's more breadth instead of depth. I was always looked like I was okay. 
always socializing, you know, and again, it's part of that keeping your secrets, Mm -hmm. but to people, you know, well, I can't stay long because I have to be on the road or I have to do X, Y, Z. So it's easier to hide that way. Hmm. Um, (laughs) But I've always been pretty outgoing, pretty social can can walk into a room and the trucking helped me with that too like i used to not be able to walk into a restaurant by myself like i was very self-conscious and weird about that um but it kind of forced me to come out of my shell with that so <laughs> it's it's interesting that i guess that you can reflect back like i said and then that and that you're able to again see these things like i've never thought about sort of friendships in that sense and in, in terms of having like a part-time friendship um you know and 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 a lot of people in in my life over time have sort of come in and come out but um you know it's 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 interesting to look at it that way and and how it may have helped you um going with with everything that you were going through so, I mean, if you want to get into it at this point, you know, like, uh, you know, like you said, the, the part of your story that you had sort of uh, shared on the, the um, newsletter that you signed up on and then uh, however far you want to go into that, but like sort of you, you and you mentioned it briefly with the gambling addiction, like, so what would like, how long did that go on? How, what, like what sort of, you, you know, what, what did it present in your life? Like, however you want to get into the story. Okay. Thank you. So my gambling goes back to childhood, essentially, nickel-dime poker. Um, as I evolved into a, a teenager, I was, I got my first like big income tax check. And by big, I mean like $300. Uh, you know, I was, I was rich. I drove right to the casino, snuck in, like you're supposed to be 21. And I was like 18 or 19 and gambled away my whole, you know, this felt like the most money I've ever had in the whole world. So it goes back that far. And when I was in the truck by myself, I'd stop at casinos along the way. That was one thing I knew about the whole country. <laughs> and uh, I ended up getting married. I had, I had met um, a trainer and I married him and we bought a truck together and we went out and he got really tired of waking up in casino parking lots. Like when I was supposed to be driving the truck and um, he sent me home. He's like, okay, I think you need to get out of the truck now. I'm like, okay. So again, this is early twenties. So I go to stay with my mom and the very next day I'm at the casino and I win a car at bingo, which is pretty hard to do because it's 48 numbers or less. And in the gambling community, we talk about the big win and it's the big win. You think that every time is going to be a big win. Like it plant, like it seals the deal. Like if I wasn't a compulsive gambler yet, I am totally a compulsive gambler now. And it's the chase and through the years. And he put up with me. I mean, he was definitely a, a, a much better sport than I think I would have been. Um, but it got progressively worse. And we split up like in 2011-ish, whatever. We're still friendly. Um, I moved... I moved out to Kansas City for another job and my gambling had really ramped up because once I was single, I didn't have to hide the money or lie or sneak. Like I I could do whatever I wanted, really. That was part of why I wanted to be divorced so I can gamble (laughs) as much as I wanted to. And I ended up moving to Kansas City and I got my dream job. It was, I was director of floral for a supermarket chain out there. Like that was my goal. I want to be director of floral by the time I was 40. And I was 39, so a year ahead of schedule, amazing. Well, I was there for about a month and I lost my rent money. I maxed out credit cards. Like 
there was no, there was no hope really. Um, and it was a, a Saturday night into a Sunday morning. I got home really late and that Sunday I, I looked for a second job. I looked for a Gamblers Anonymous meeting. I went through all the, okay, I need to fix this mode. Um, then on Monday morning, I called the credit card company. I was like, you're going to want $800 in a couple of days. And I don't have $800 to give you. So I negotiated a plan, went to GA and I found myself not gambling for just over two years. But even then as to, to tie it into the vulnerability, See, I didn't say that word for a long time. <laughs> the V word. Um, I tried, I, or at least I thought I was going through the motions, but I had never really let loose, I guess, on, on that deep level. And I used to call it um, GA junk whenever they got like too deep or too feely. And, and my friends still pick on me about that. Yeah, Bobby, it's GA junk. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So, I end up never digging deep and I never really do that healing. So I find myself back out for 2016 and I'm gambling like a rock star, worse than ever before, monumental debt. It was just insane and it started to impact everything. My job thought I was at stores, but I was really at the casino. Um, just the lying, my personality had changed. I didn't know that at the time, but people told me. I missed my now 16 year old niece. You know, I missed her whole 2016. She was showing me pictures and I didn't recognize her. Like it was just bad. So in 2017 is when I went to treatment. And like I said, I really think, so treatment was one piece of it and there was good counselors and stuff. And part of what happens when you leave is you have to have an aftercare program. I'm probably one of the very few that changed jobs in rehab. So I had gotten a, I went for an interview the day before I left, um, negotiated the job in the mist and was getting out of rehab to move back to the East coast from the Midwest. I needed to change the scenery because in Kansas city, there's a riverboat on every corner. <laughs> um, it, yeah, it was, and they were all my best friends. So going through that, come back and, um, they had found this place here in the capital region of upstate New York that it's called the Center for Problem Gambling and they treat us for free. Um, it's, it was sponsored from the state and we got a counselor in group meetings and it was there that I really started to begin my, my healing. And of course I had the guy in the background and he was in recovery and he was starting a business around recovery and that was a common thing. And he pushed, he pushed me like in a good way pushed me. And I never felt that way before, but I realized now I'd never been in love without gambling. Like that was always my first love. So now I don't have that, the emotions or the numbing that went into gambling. Now I could put into another person, including myself. So I learned quite a bit from him. And then last year we, we split up and, and it was like one of those, it took four or five months to to finally sever the ties because we had this recovery thing. We were friends, you know, like it was just mm -hmm. a lot. So that process started last June and in January, I went on my first sober from alcohol trip with a, a group, another podcaster. Um, that's amazing. I started listening to his show and he, he had these retreats. So I went on that with a bunch of strangers with no alcohol. I was like, okay. And that kind of started my transition, opening my eyes to a little bit more um, 
things that I used to be really quirky about, like meditating in front of people. Um, there's just things that I was always very uncomfortable with. I don't know why exercise. I really don't know why, but they were just weird to me. So I started with that and I come home and my paternal grandmother and my biological father die within a week of each other. Like this is like right on the cusp, right before the world shut down on March 15th ish is when I held my father's funeral. So one of the requirements of the sober trip was that we could we shouldn't drink for 30 days before we went on it well i come home bob my biological died of cirrhosis of the liver i've been estranged from him for 15 years like we hadn't talked like i'd i'd hear things like i knew when mm -hmm. he was in jail i knew you know with with things and and i was getting closer i went from hate to neutral to I was almost maybe getting to forgiveness because he was in the addiction. You know, like I can't, I can't tell people to heal and that addicts don't have all, you know, their own control and then hold it against him. So I was just getting to learn that. And it was more to free myself than him. So I was grieving the opportunity to finish that, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. So, and then COVID and I've lost someone every single month, um, the first six months, whether it was COVID or cancer or, or whatever, there's just been death after death after death. However, I didn't have the gambling and I didn't have the alcohol because I was like, well, and, and I wasn't talking to that guy and I didn't want to drunk text him to be completely honest. I was so <laughs> scared that if I was drinking that I would, cause I stopped talking to him, I needed a clean break. And um, I was really scared to death of what I would say. So I had to learn how to deal with all this stuff sober and, and clear-minded. And, and that's when I say this last year has probably been the most pivotal of my whole life. Now it's not about a guy. It's not about rehab. It's not about anybody else. It's about me looking in the mirror and having to own it and face up to it. And um, <laughs> this sounds so ironic, but with my podcast, um, in the middle of March, I realized when we got sent home from the office to work from home, I was like, okay, well, I need to serve my audience. So I started doing two podcasts a day. So in the morning I would, I would do a reading and then share on it. And then in the night we played games, we did all kinds of stuff, but what was happening and I didn't know this either was it was really helping me heal. And now I was being vulnerable because I was talking about all my feelings, all these deaths, all this, like, one of my shows is all well, two of them are about processing the death of Bob and what I did because now I have to serve other people. I'm trying to help those gamblers and I want them to know they're not alone and the journey can be messy and somebody has to say it, you know? So I tried to take those positive attributes of the outgoing and, and my personality and yeah, kind of hide behind a microphone a little bit because I don't, I mean, I'm probably in a place I could do it a little more in person outside of just a, a group therapy or GA, but people need to know they're not alone in this world. So um, I think that that was probably one of the most powerful parts of, of my mindset, mindset shift um, and who I am today. And what's wonderful is I recognize that who I am today is different than six months ago, is different than six years ago. And I look forward to the adventure of 
what happens next? Like six months from now, I'm going to look back and I'll know that things have changed, but I don't even know they're changing when they're happening now. Mm. So it's kind of a, a big adventure. So thank you for letting me share that. I hope I didn't go too far off. No, no, no. It's so completely fine. And, and, and this thing about podcasts, there's no real structure. I used to have like a very set, like this question, then this question, then this question. But I've, I, you know, I'm 60 episodes uh, released and, and however many recorded. And, you know, I've noticed over time that I just let things go the way they go because it just comes off a, a lot better. Um, but the, the first thing I want to say is kudos to you for being able to go through all that and then come out of it to at a point where like you're saying where now your focus is on helping others because I, I I don't know that a lot of us can necessarily go through you know these hard times these struggles and everything and then come out of them where we're ready to help other people because of the fact that you know it's it's hard enough as it is to go through it like I, I could tell you were getting emotional towards the end there and and so it's you know to to, to have the strength to not only get through it yourself and and do that sort of that digging deep and all that work that you had to do but then decide okay now it's time for me to go out there and help others and and let myself be seen so that they know that they're not alone that's uh, just like I said kudos to you because that's a major thing and I'm sure that you're definitely helping people the the other thing that I I wanted to sort of bring up what what is interesting to me is a lot of people talk about walls and building walls it literally seems to me that you had to bring down that wall brick by brick by brick by brick it wasn't just like a smash it down and like you know because your, your your story there went from like you said probably about you know uh, just before adulthood like you know 15 16 all the way up until you know just very recently so um you know again it just for you to to, to do all that work and 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 just have put in all that time that seems to me like it was quite a quite a journey quite an adventure thank you i really the beautiful thing now and i'm not um i'm not a big like religion person or any of that i consider myself spiritual now and, and very open-minded and, and respectful to everybody's beliefs but i i truly feel like in this place in my gut that everything happened the way it was supposed to happen the good, the bad, the ugly, the journey. And I feel like, I feel like I have to help people. Like I would be selfish, you know, not to. And I think that helping people is helping me, you yeah. know, selfishly. Um, so it, it, it all has had its place and it's just been very interesting. And one of my big ahas and takeaways is if I can get through all that, I feel like invincible, like it, knowing that you can get to the other side, you know, and being aware of that. It's like, so there's nothing to be afraid of anymore in life. So it's, it's really a crazy place to be, but it's <laughs> very comforting too at the same time. Oh, something that came to mind is, as you were, you started off there is, is that there's a saying that I've heard multiple times, which is that life doesn't happen to us. It happens for us. And it seems like that's exactly what you're talking about is that even though it may have taken quite a few years and, and, you know, experiences and everything that you were able to sort of really learn what, um, you know, what all these things sort of as negative or maybe negative is not the right word, but as, as hard as they were to go through, there was a reason for them. Um, you know, the whole point of this podcast is to really sort of show people that no matter what sort of struggles, no matter what sort of vulnerability you face, that there's always a lesson to be learned in it. And, and I, I couldn't honestly think of a better example as uh, from what, uh, like, 
a better example of that from what you're saying like because again you, you literally went through like some of the deepest darkest moments like you just said and then came out of it to where you're at now um so yeah again just it's awesome <laughs> that that you're sort of that that's exactly sort of what i'm trying to do and, and your your sort of experience fits that without you know <laughs> without a doubt well i think too now i'm a believer that a lot of beautiful things are going to come out of covid and one of the biggest things i think is that we're connected more as a people like our resources. So the folks that are out there struggling, your audience, my audience, anywhere, they can get help, whether it's gambling or depression, or, you know, this is at the time we're speaking it's suicide awareness month. I mean, there's a lot of resources. And even if they're scared in the first, in the beginning, they can kind of, they don't have to necessarily show their face, but they know they're not alone. So I, I love that piece of it. It makes it more possible that people can know and move forward in life if they if they want to. It's there. I think that we're. I think that that's one of the things coming out of this experience. No, hundred percent. I think there's definitely some positives to find in this experience, as hard as it might be at times. And um, but I, I completely agree. I mean, I've said to my wife and even friends of ours that what it's teaching me, at least, is that there's certain people that. Um, that I need to to stay more connected with, that I need to be closer with because my appreciation for them, as much as I appreciated certain friendships and relationships in the past, it's sort of gone up tenfold now because now there's something holding me back. Like my wife and I just saw our friends of ours for the first time in like months and it was it was great. And at the same time, it was weird because of, you know, the masks and everything like that, but, but it was great to see them. But it also, like I said, it just made me sort of recognize that like before, you know, we may go two or three months without seeing each other just because, you know, we're busy. And I put up air quotes because realistically, I think a lot of what we, <laughs> what we make ourselves busy with isn't necessarily maybe we should, we don't need to, but nonetheless, the point is, is that now it's like, I have a restriction as to be able to see the, these friends of ours. And, and so it just, yeah it's it's really eye-opening to me of like you know where we need to maybe focus our priorities and where we need to shift things and so I, I completely agree with what what you're saying there um one thing that I wanted to touch on is, is you had said um that now you're a little more open than you were before like what what specifically maybe cracked that open because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this going you know like yeah you know I thought meditation and I thought this and that and everything else was kind of bs or or woo woo or whatever word you want to use um and and you've said that you know like you said that you're, you're definitely more open than you were in the past what what helped you get there well meditation is absolutely one of them um and I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else that says, I still can't do it right. It still doesn't <laughs> feel right a lot of days. I've been fortunate with the people, like my counselor um, was amazing. She, she dug and asked the hard questions, but also the community of people, like there are certain friends that will call bullshit, you know, um, oh I'm sorry no no go ahead that's totally <laughs> fine <laughs> that's totally fine I put all of them as explicit so because oh, it yeah. happens and I'm totally okay with it so go ahead continue <laughs> that too sorry <laughs> um but though if, if I'm not making smart choices or whatever they tell me or they ask the questions so that I have to dig deep and look in the mirror and it's 
it's an evolution kind of there's I don't think there's any one thing that makes it happen it's for well I guess the biggest thing is the self-awareness piece you have to know that you're even doing this and you have to be okay going through that uncomfortable feeling in your gut and that fear uh, that's where that's where having the the faith that things happen for a reason and that you can get to the other side and asking yourself those questions well what's the worst that's going to happen if i push through this but it's i could feel those feelings just explaining them to you um yeah, yeah. Uh, getting out of your comfort zone. I, I, I know like, like I can uh, relate in terms of how uncomfortable it can be, but it's, it's definitely what's on the other side of it is definitely worth it. It's that's where you find the growth and everything like that. Um, when it comes to those, those people you're bringing up, are these people that, and this is just a curiosity of my own, but are these people that have come into your life since you've started recovering or, or are these people that have been around or is it like a mix? Because I'm just sort of curious, like you said, that you have these people that will now sort of call you out. Like, did those people only come into your life recently or are these some people that have been around for years? So it's a combination and I'm very I'm very lucky. Like one of the things that I'm grateful for is that I've had relationships that I, when I was gambling, I've gambled with some of these people. And now that I've stopped, they're still the same people who say I'm proud of you and support that I'm not gambling. So I have that in my arsenal. And then people that were specifically bouncing in my head when I was answering that was through group. Um, there's three fellas. I call them, I think I call them my three or whatever in our group, group text. And, like when I was just um, going through, should I quit my job now or should I wait till next year after bonus? Like evaluating that. And they get on the phone and like, Bobby, you really shouldn't do this. And you know, like very mindful. It's very mindful and respectful, but they ask those questions to be like, oh, should I really think about this? That's the kind of stuff. Or, or dealing with the breakup, all three of the guys were very like, no. You know, like take care of yourself or, they didn't want to squash what I think I should be doing, um, but yet they got their points across in a very kind, loving way that I knew they were trying to protect Bobby. No, so. uh, and, and what I find like what I, what I find interesting when you said like my three, uh, one thing that I've said in previous episodes, and one thing that I truly believe in is there's sort of a saying out there that you're you're the uh, sum of the five people that you spend the most time with, and and so I just found that interesting because I think that's honestly true is that whoever you surround yourself with is going to make a difference as to where you go and and what happens in your life. So I'm glad that you found some of those people. Yes, I agree with you 100. percent hundred percent. I have a walking buddy as well. She, uh, we work together and, uh, we walk every day at lunch. And as I've been ramping up my businesses, as I've been going through the love to the breakup, like all that stuff, she's been there every single day. And it's funny. Cause even when me and the guy were disagreeing, she would take his side if he was right. Like <laughs> all doing that. Like if you have like you or your audience, if you have people like that in your life, hold them close. That would be my, my message there hold them yeah. close people that are willing to sort of be honest with you and everything like that and then i'm sure it helps in terms of like you being more honest with yourself as well yes absolutely and i i want to go back to kind of one of your points about the you know as we do open up and by the way you're doing very good work here brian like because for the people the old bobby who was afraid if i heard your show you know, it might inspire me to 
talk more or start like, okay, I'm not alone in this transition in that yucky feeling. But I totally lost my train of thought. You're saying about opening up. Oh, the thing in, in the, whatever you're opening up about by doing that, it attracts people who might not have opened up before and it gives them a safe place. You know, I was talking to someone who had dealt with a porn addiction and he was a minister. Um, and you don't talk about that at church, never yeah. mind being a minister or whatever. And he had said the same thing in that realm was once he shared his story, people can confide in him and whatever. So that's, that's why it's so important is, is you're helping people with this platform and it's, it's good. People need to know. This is the other thing I learned in COVID. Like if you watch enough TikTok and Facebook and all that, <laughs> like people really do want to do good. And they're all feeling that, you know, like we're not alone when we feel sad or um, like people are judging us or like all those negative voices that we have in our head that, oh, by the way, none of the people in our lives would ever say to us because they're not true. We all have those negative voices. hundred you know? percent. It's, it's crazy. No, I remember there's a book. Um, I don't know if you've ever read it, but there's a book called the untethered soul. And uh, when I read it, it just made me laugh because it's basically about the voices in your head. And there's one like specific snippet in the book where it basically says like, uh, if you were, if you were to have the person who's saying those things in your head sitting next to you, you'd think they were crazy. So why do we all sort of just accept them when we know that it's crazy? <laughs> and, and it was just this sort of eye-opening moment because for me, it was like, it's true. Like if, if the things that I'm saying in my head, you know, were being said to me with somebody sitting next to me, I'd be like, you're crazy, shut up. But yet in our heads, we just kind of let it go. And sometimes we let it take over. And, and I've gotten better definitely with, um, you know, sort of recognizing it and, and sort of working through it um, due to meditation and other things. But um, but yeah, I can definitely see how, how that can happen where we, we just get caught up in those negative thoughts. And, um, you know, even in terms of what you were saying, uh, in terms of like the relatability, like this whole journey started for me because a few years back I lost my job. And when it happened, I was like, oh, this is the worst and whatever. And like, just, you know, the, the sort of the, the grieving process, I guess, of, of losing a job. And, and then I started putting out on social media what had happened. And then all of a sudden it was like another person that's like, oh, so did I, I just lost my job. And then another person. And then, so I can completely agree with you in terms of when you decide to open up and, and you find that relatability, you realize like how many other people are going through the exact same thing as you're going through. And it makes you feel less alone, less silly or, or whatever word you want to use. Like, cause again, when it happens to you, you're, you're thinking the worst and everything like that. And then you're like, wait a second, like I'm not the only one. Oh, okay. This, this is a little bit easier. And then so on and so forth. Yes, absolutely. I try to frame it uh, as talk to yourself like you're talking to your best friend and and to your point the meditation it's practice it takes a lot of practice mm -hmm. i don't know where the hell these negative voices came from right like none of our parents ever told us we were shitty human beings and that we're fat or we're ugly or we're whatever we are nobody ever told us that where did they come from yeah. i um i don't know if you've seen it but jay shetty the like he's yeah. Mr. great messaging he had done it with sisters he had had one sister in the room write down all their negative, you know, write what they thought of themselves. And then they had their sister hidden and the sister wrote down what they thought of them. 
So when he combined them and let the first sister know, he said, okay, tell your sister she's those things that you just wrote on the piece of paper. And obviously they couldn't do it. Like it tore them off. And then when the sister, the other sister described to them, it was like, you could see the light bulbs go on. And it was just such a powerful message as most of his messages are. <laughs> that, one, that one really stuck with me and I thought it was a great way to illustrate the point. No, it's again, like you said, it's, it's very true that a lot of the things that we think it's, it's weird where, where, where those thought patterns come from. It's almost out of completely nowhere, but yet we let them take over and, and put us in. I, I mean, I went through it. Uh, I was on social media a lot, probably like 2018, I want to say, and then completely stopped because of the fact that I was telling sort of one story online, telling a different story, or there was different things going on offline. Um, and, and sort of that same thing happened where it was just this negative self-talk over and over and over again. And it took me a while to sort of break out of it. And then sort of this podcast was the result once, once I finally did, but I can definitely see sort of the, the rabbit hole that it can lead you down. Um, if, if you let it sort of take over and take control. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad you did the work and got to <laughs> some of it, some of it. I, I think there's still, and, I, and I, I'm sure that's something you can relate with too, is that, you know, the, there's the work is sort of, it's never ending. It's not going to, it's not going to be next week or next month or next year or 10 years from now. It's going to be something that's going on pretty much till I take my last breath. At least that's, that's my belief. I agree hundred percent. So, you know, I, I want to sort of look at if we can look at everything that's happened over your life, um, you know, whether it's from that young age when your parents separated and that started to build the trust issues um, into the gambling and everything else that, that sort of happened. If you can look at all of it, like what would you say the overall toll it was, uh, or sorry, toll it took um, on, on you as a person? Obviously, now we're seeing some of the positive, but um, what would you say sort of the toll was over all those years? I think a lot of wasted years on a lot of unhealthy things. I'd like to think that I could correct them with my mind. And, you know, if, if you're a believer in the, you know, like the folks that have had cancer, but make sure they laugh and, and it goes away or, or eating to heal ourselves. Um, I'm still struggling with cigarettes on and off, but I have to give myself grace because I've given up so much other stuff. So I think what I'm a little nervous about is the damage I've done in the past, how it's going to impact the future. That's the toll. What kind of toll did I give to my body? I feel like my mind's going in the right direction. Um, and I think that every day that my mind gets better, I'm putting better effort into my body. But that's the one piece that I could have done permanent damage to my lungs, to my liver, to, you know, those kinds of things. That's a question that makes you sad, but you're right. Well, and, and the only reason I ask is because I think a lot of us maybe don't necessarily think about that. We don't necessarily look back and, and sort of look at what what may have happened or what might have become. But leading into the next question, because I, I, I tend to do this where I sort of go from, from I don't know if we want to say negative to positive or high to low or whatever, but, um, but the next question is is would be, you know, on the opposite side of things, like how did everything help you get to where you're at right now? I know you've started a business and, and that, uh, that business is focused on helping others and everything. So, so how would you say everything that, that happened to you throughout your journey, throughout your life has helped you get to where you're at right now? Well, I think 
I think I'm a better human being overall. So I think that that helps. And I think that now that I have this belief that everything is going to be okay and work out the way it's supposed to, it's very calming. You know, like I ended up quitting my job, even though it wasn't the smartest thing to do. And, and then, you know, a month ago, this, a second business kind of just showed up and I'm just rolling with the punches because I know I'm a good worker. I know I have a skill set. So if I have to go back to another job, I will, but I got to try. Yeah. And one of the things that I think keeps me grounded is I have a, a 16 year old niece and her parents are less than stellar. Um, is it, yeah. And I want to be a good example for her. So that's another like motivation where I don't want to go backwards. It's like, I, I have to show her the kind of woman she can become. So it's very motivating. I won't say, you know, I definitely do this for me because I need to feel good and, and the whole oxygen mask and all that. But um, she definitely keeps me inspired. It was like, well, what do I want her to grow up having opportunity wise? And, and like, I'm not talking just give it to her. Like I'm not, if I become, you know, super successful and I have extra money, no, she still has to earn things and, you know, learn and do. Um, but it's very motivational. And I don't know if you feel that way now that you have a baby, but there's something about it that we want to be the best people we can be. And, um, she's the closest thing I'll ever have to a child. And um, part of my being selfish all these years and that's, you know, which is fine. I have no regrets, but she definitely inspires me. She no, and to your point, 1000%, as soon as my daughter was born, it was like night and day in terms of like where my motivations were, where my priorities were like hundred uh, percent. I can definitely relate there because it, it, it was this weird thing where it was just like all of a sudden just my mind was like, okay, wait, now I've got to, I want to do this and that. And like, you know, just, uh, yeah, motivation's completely different. Uh, it's, it's ramped up way more since she was born. So completely, completely relate. The thing that, that I was sort of thinking about, as you were saying all that, it goes back to the point that you made earlier on in the podcast, which is that the way I look at what you sort of, to summarize everything that you just said there is that if you can get through everything you've been through, that you have the you must have some enormous amount of strength to now get through anything that comes your way moving forward and and that's sort of uh, what i what i pull from what you just said is like you you've had all this these things happen to you over all these years um but you've overcome it to to, to you know i, I don't want to know i i don't like we, we said before the work is still continuing for all of us but you've overcome it to this extent and i think that that is like you said is, is going to give you the strength to push through whatever comes your way moving forward so that would be one way that i'd look at it do you want to hear how i describe it on my show because this, sure. this is a this is a theme so I tell my folks and this is the way i visualize it is that we have like a bucket and i picture it in our gut and if our bucket has all that negative stuff, we can't get the positive in there, whether it's the reading or the relationships or the feedback or whatever that is. So that's part of the going backwards to get rid of the negative. So you have to replenish it daily. And if you don't, and if it overflows with the negative, now you have a suitcase, which now I've equated to baggage, but you're dragging around all this negative. Mm -hmm. So to your point about keeping it, keeping the work, or keep doing the work, you, you have to keep your bucket full of positive. 
and the way I put it into terms with addiction, but it can be applied to anything. If, if you don't have enough positive, it's, if it's depleted, then it's a whole lot easier. Your guard is down and you can go back to gambling, but it's the same thing in our relationships and stuff that if, if we don't keep it top of mind and keep ourselves healthy, we can go backwards, but it works the other way too. If we keep it strong and positive and good, then those next challenges we're prepared for. It's not like we're at the bottom of the bucket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I, I definitely, I, I agree with the metaphor and I like it. It, it brought to mind another book I read, which is, uh, it's called The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari um, by a gentleman named Robin Sharma. I don't know if you've read it, but one of the points of that book that always comes to mind and really came to mind when you were saying what you're saying is he talks about how, you know, if we had a glass of water and, and this goes, I guess, to the half full, half empty thing, but if we have a glass of water and it's only half full, then we can't give water to somebody else because we need that for ourselves. And so it's not until our cup is overfilling that we can then sort of give to others. And it's this whole idea of we have to sort of, fill ourselves up first. We have to worry about ourselves first because if you're not good with yourself, then how can you give to anybody else? And it's the same point that you're making. If if our bucket's full of negativity, then all we're going to put out to the world and to others is negativity. But if we can fill it with positivity and, and overfill it, then it's easier to give to everybody else. So just something I related to what you were saying. I love both of your books are on my on my wish list. I have Audible. <laughs> okay. And, and because I've been working on a lot of self-education and my business stuff, um, I haven't gotten to read all the books that I want to. So I'm actually, I'm leaving Saturday for like a month long road trip where I'm going to actually drive at least 60 to 80 hours. And part of why I'm driving is so that I can catch up on all my, <laughs> and, and my learning and stuff. Like I really want that time. I love, I love books electronic ones. I'm even getting better at reading because um, of 75 hard. I'm, I'm doing better at reading my real books <laughs> as well. But you, you, you've tied them in beautifully to life. And there are a lot of, a lot of authors that have done a good job, you know, for people like us that are, it seems like you're aligned with how I operate. You know, I was looking for the self-improvement and the growth and the development and and there's probably a hundred books that all of us would tell each other, you know, and mm-hmm. refer to each other because those nuggets are in there and help us create, you know, who we want to be. So thank you for sharing them. <laughs> no, no, definitely. It's, I, it's, it's, and, and, and I agree with what you're saying in terms of the reading and stuff like that. Like it, it, before sort of that whole situation, losing my job and everything, I was in, in a, in a, in a, in a sense, I was similar to you where I was just closed off to a lot of this stuff, like self-improvement and all, like the, not to get too into it, but that book that I just mentioned, somebody had told me about it while I was working at the job that I got let go from. And I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, whatever. Yeah, sure. It sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll, maybe I'll read it. And I had no intention of reading it whatsoever. And then when that when that happened, it was somebody from all the way across the world who said, hey, you should check out this book. And I was like, that's really weird. Two people have told me to check out this book, but now I'm a little more open to it. So maybe I will. And it's that was sort of the uh, ignition, I guess you could say, to me starting this journey was reading that book. It really sort of opened my eyes to the fact that I hadn't really spent a lot of time working on myself or, or figuring out who I was. 
and that was probably a lot of the problem as to why that job didn't turn out so well and why other things in my life were not working out so well. So um, I, I definitely agree with in terms of how, how these books and, and certain things can definitely help us start that, that journey and, and how, and the importance of them. So, um, but yeah, just like I said, I just, uh, I find it interesting. Um, so uh, sort of down to the last few questions here. Um, you know, if you can look at where you're at right now with your business, with your life and everything like that, would you say that you've found success and fulfillment in your life or that you're still on a journey towards that? Oh, a million percent. If I died tomorrow, I'm good. I'm good. You know, like, and I've, I've felt that way a long time because I've always just done what I wanted to do. Um, but now it's a whole different place. I have a lot of dreams and a lot of, um, my, my more recent counselor doesn't like me saying it this way, so don't tell her I did. But I was trying to say, like, I want to be the Tony Robbins of recovery. Yeah. Like, I want, I want it to be very recovery-based. I want recovery-based entrepreneurs instead of just faith-based, you know, that kind of stuff. So I have a lot of dreams that way and things that I want to do. But I know that I've tried every day. You know, like, I feel very comfortable in my own skin. I feel that anything that was within my control I did the best I could with no uh, and that's a great answer and, and I think more of us should have that sort of thought process in our head because I think that if we're constantly just chasing something it's just as bad as if we're not um, because you're, you're never sort of going to be satisfied and so I'm glad that you've gotten to a point in your life where you know whether you find that success or not you're okay because um again if you're if you're just kind of constantly chasing something your your life may get more out of control than it might have been before <laughs> so so yeah so i'm just glad that you found that piece um so uh the, so the last thing that i that i ask um is if, if you can look back at everything that we've talked about um, there's a lot of different lessons and, and things that people could pick up from this, whether you, you've struggled with addiction or not, there's definitely lessons in this episode. But if you can give our listeners three important lessons, three things that you've learned that could help them with their struggles or whatever they're going through right now, what would you say those three lessons would be? The first one, and I haven't said it enough, or maybe it was implied, but gratitude being grateful for the good, the bad, the ugly, like it all has a role. Um, so that would be the very, very first thing. Being open-minded and, and the self-aware piece, because you don't, you don't know what you don't know. So you have to be able to listen, which was a struggle for me. I thought I knew everything for a long time. And then finally ask for help. Like just ask for help if you need to ask for help you may not even know what you need help with but ask for help like you're not alone whoever you are whatever you're feeling i guarantee you you're not alone no so. th th those are strong strong three to be honest with you um, and, and very short and sweet which i like but the first one i had a huge grin on my face because gratitude is life-changing I, I i can uh, definitely attest to that i've sort of had a daily practice for a long time where uh, you know, whether it's just thinking of two things or journaling on a couple of things, I, I try and remember each day to just 
quickly remember a couple of things that I'm grateful for. And what it ends up doing is it's sort of got that compound effect where if you've, if you're just grateful for one or two things, all of a sudden you're grateful for the next thing that happens in your day and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So 1000% agree with that. And then the last one is something that I've heard over and over again from multiple people on this podcast. So I think that if, if anybody's listening to this and you've listened to other episodes, like ask for help, if you need it, ask for help. It's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. I think a lot of us are ashamed in a sense to to ask for help but we all need it we all need people you know if, if, if we didn't then we wouldn't have friendships and connections and stuff like that so you know if you need it ask for it 100 so definitely like those three last um last but definitely not least um i want to give everybody who comes on here an opportunity to just sort of promote themselves at the end of the podcast let everybody know what they're up to whether it's your business or where to find you on social media website whatever it is that you want to promote the floor is yours go ahead Thank you, Brian. So my gambling arena stuff all falls under the 321 No Kidding umbrella. Um, 321 is my clean date, and No Kidding will be my dream facility down the road where children won't be allowed, but you'll get to come in and play. That's, that's the big pie in the sky. And what's evolved out of that is Workify Global, which is a whole other animal in this learning environment I'm in. There's a lot of folks that are working regular jobs and trying to be entrepreneurs and trying to learn social media and technology and all these things. And it myself included before I quit. So I hired virtual assistants. So what's kind of evolved is I now have a virtual assistant agency and we, we help um, entrepreneurs take some of that burden off at very amazing prices because it's, you know, it's offshore and stuff. And, um, I'm getting to do service in the business arena, which has always been kind of my backbone, and then the addiction arena. So hopefully, um, you know, all the dreams of how I want to help can come true. You know, you need, you need revenue streams to do that. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk. Um, and I'm, I'm growing my coaching career as well. That's part of what I'm learning, both from business coach and addiction coach. So I'm here to uh- serve. Awesome. So, and wh- wh- where's the best places to find you? Is there a website? Is is it social media? Where's the best places? So, um, I'm on Instagram. It's Bobby the Awesome underscore three two one. No kidding. Uh, Facebook Bobby Malatesta, and there's you know a three two one page and and all that. And yes, three two one. No kidding. Dot com is the website. I'm trying awesome. to be. awesome well i will definitely make sure to put as much of that as i can in the show notes so that people know where to find you um yeah honestly every time i do this and i've said this multiple times but i'm going to say it again it, it just humbles me that people are willing to come on here and share so openly because we don't know each other um, you have no reason to open up to me <laughs> other than the fact that I have a podcast called Vulnerable and it's sort of expected. But, uh, but you know, it's it's just it's awesome that people are willing to do this. Um, I, I'm glad that you shared so openly. I'm sure that this is going to help people. Like I said, the one thing that I'm finding uh, through, over and over again is that as much as people are going through different vulnerabilities, whether it's addiction or something else, um, that that what they've gone through is relatable to other. Uh, other things in other people's life so again I'm just glad that you were able to come on here and share the lessons that you've learned and share your journey and everything so so thank you again thank you Brian it's been an amazing opportunity and I'm honored to be on your show I really am so grateful thank you well take care and have a great rest of your day you too
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.